Good morning, Relentless Church. How are you doing? All right, I know that we're, some of us are doing great, maybe some of us not so much, but I'm so glad you're here. It's not a small thing that you are here, and it is a true thing. It's not just a lyric and a very cool song. It is a true statement that you are not alone. Some of you need to not hear that from my voice, but you need to receive it from your creator, God, that you are not alone. He's not sleeping on you. He hasn't given up on you. He hasn't forgotten about you. Um, so I'm so glad that we're here together uh, to walk through this. And um, I, hope you're, I hope you're well. I hope you're healthy. Um, I hope you're safe. And I'm really looking forward uh, to seeing your faces. Uh, it's three weeks from today. November 1st, God willing, that we're going to be back in uh, the church building, 1540 Mechanical Boulevard, together. I know there'll be some of you that uh, need to not be there, which we totally respect and understand. But uh, in the next couple of weeks, probably not this week, but the following week, we're going to be putting out some videos. It, they're really important. So when those hit your feed or hit your inbox, please take the time. Uh, one is going to be about why, uh, why we've waited as long as we have, um, and then also why we're not waiting longer. And then another video just about how, right? So I want you to know and see and understand um, how different church is going to be even when we come back and how we're going to um, navigate this together in love, in grace, as the family, as the gospel-centered, forever-focused, multi-ethnic movement of God that we are. So that's three weeks from today, but it's not today. Today we're in unprecedented times. I think um, this is the last message I'm going to preach seated, all right? After, after this week, I think I need for where we're going, and I think I'm going to have to stand. But for today, we're just continuing this question, like in these, and you can't, I can't not hear that word now, right? Unprecedented. It's almost annoying. Every, and it's true because people are using it because there, there's five or six things that we've really never walked through before, and they're all hitting at once in 2020. And this series is about in everything that's swirling around, how do we not lose our minds? What are we supposed to do right now? And what do we do? So that's what we've been challenging you with. And if you were here uh, the last couple of weeks, um, if you weren't here, please, please, it's that true and that good and that important to go check out the last two weeks. But we've just been walking through one paragraph very slowly that we believe, listen, we believe God is speaking specifically to Relentless Church in this time and this place through this one simple paragraph in Philippians chapter 4. Doesn't that blow your mind, church? Isn't that amazing? That Now, I'm not near smart enough to speak to you and all that's going on, but uh, seniors in high school, middle schoolers, college students, uh, grandmas, grandpas, senior citizens, single mothers, uh, believers, not so sure, everybody, whoever you are, that there's a God who knows your name, who loves you, and wants to meet you in his word, right? He wants to show up in this. Like, we believe that God has called us to this specific paragraph and to sit in it so that we would be changed and live it out. So we started two weeks ago with this simple line that said, rejoice in the Lord always. And then Paul repeated himself because it was that important. I'm going to say it again, rejoice. Joy is something that you have, but rejoice is something that you do. How have you been doing? We, we, it's a game changer. It's not complicated, but it changes, and it's a challenge, right? I preached it. I struggle day to day to sometimes just stop and sit and have the mindset, I'm going to rejoice 
in the Lord and just think about what he did, right? who he is, what he did, what he is doing, and what he promised yet to come and just sit in that. And when I rejoice in the Lord, it changes everything. How are we doing? That's what we need to do. That's our answer, right? We don't want to just go on and on about how bad things are. We want, what are we doing? What are we doing? We're rejoicing in the Lord. And then last week, the next step was that let your gentleness or your reasonableness, and we talked about the word and how this Jesus gentleness, we want, there's something in us that's supposed to pour out on other people, not because they deserve it, but because we are touched by the gospel and Jesus is in us and, and people should, should know and see and experience our gentleness to them. So we pick up from there. I don't know how you've been doing with that gentleness. If you failed miserably, right, on the road or on social media, that's all right. It's a new day, right? Grace and mercy and let's, let's start. Gentleness known to everyone. Rejoice in the Lord. And today we have four tiny, simple, powerful words. The next sentence, it's actually not a new verse. It's the end of verse five, simply says, the Lord is near. Right? The Lord is near. Some translations might say the Lord is at hand or the Lord is close. The, the easiest to understand there is the Lord is near. And there's all kinds of examples we could use, but they all fall short because of who we're talking about. But uh, have you heard of that uh, Life 360, that app? And there's probably some other apps that do the same thing. But it's, it's an app that you can use in your family or whoever really that lets you know where people are. So if I'm coming to pick up my kids, they can look at that and see how close I am, right? I had to shut it down for a few weeks because my kids started stalking me and they'd be texting me and like, hey, uh, I see you're at Chick-fil-A. Can you bring me a number one combo, right? And then like, hey, how come you get to eat at Red Robin? I was like, so I'm shutting this down. You're, you're not in charge of me. You don't need to know where I'm at, right? But, but the point is when I'm coming to pick them up and if I'm running late and they check to that, and like, okay, he's close. He's not he, here yet, but he's close, right? So here, hey, rejoice in the Lord always, all right? That's hard. Let your gentleness be evident to everyone. That's hard. But then here's the key to it. The Lord is near, but it doesn't mean he's not here yet, right? It's both and at the same time. So here's how we're going to say it. The Lord is near and the Lord is here. And both of those are extremely encouraging. And it doesn't bother me that they rhyme. I'm not mad about that because... I really believe God's speaking this into our church for the week ahead and for the months ahead. And I want you to remember that and not think of me, but think of and visualize and believe the Lord is near, Jesus is near, and he is here. He is coming, he is on the way, but he's also present. He is in this room that I, in this studio where Seth and I are sitting right now, he is here, right? I don't see him, but I believe he is actually with us. He is with you. He misses nothing. He is everywhere at the same time. He is near and he is here. That's the whole deal. It's Believe this, church. It's not too far for us to start talking about Christmas. Some of you wackos already got stuff up in your house, but that's all right. But in Christmas, we talk about the word Emmanuel, which is just simply translated God with us. He is with us. If you're a follower of Jesus and made a decision to trust him, put your faith in him, he is not just with you, he is in you through the Holy Spirit. He is near us, he is here with us. And he's, that's true across the board, but there's a specific group of people that he's, he's near in a special way. And it's really, I can't fully define it or describe it. Uh, there's a verse back in a beautiful psalm, which were mostly prayers and songs written to God, but it says it 
in Psalm 34, 18, that the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and, to, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. So he's near and he's here, and that's true. But there's a nearness that God promises that's specific to those with broken hearts, right? That's that's such a big word, right? Broken, when we're broken, when our hearts are hurting, could be pain, could be grief, could be suffering, could be loneliness, could be disappointment, all those things. And here's here's the thing, as we live in the time we live in, broken and brokenheartedness comes in all colors, comes in all sizes, comes in all ages, right? Independents, Republicans, Democrats, there, there, is, there is no group of people that corners the market on brokenhearted. Brokenhearted is, is a cross. It does not discriminate. And the Lord Jesus is near specifically and specially to those with broken hearts. Now, as I say all that, right, how, how, do, how do we prove that? Like, how do we know that for sure? All right, well, one way is you experience it. I've experienced the Lord being near, Him being close, Him being present. I've, I've experienced Him coming to me in my brokenheartedness. Does He fix everything? No, it's better than that. Right? He, he doesn't always do what I want Him to do or ask Him to do, but He always comes near. And we have a role in that. That's a faith, that's a trust that there's a God who loves you and knows your name and, and knows your pain and knows your hurt and he wants to be near you and what, what he asks of you in that is that you would trust him. That you would maybe even ask him, just, I'm hurting, I'm broken, my heart, I'm crushed in my spirit and in that, would you, would you just ask him, would you, Lord, would you be near Maybe that's all some of you need to do today, just with your heart, your mind, your mouth. Lord, would you be near? Does that even count as praying? Yes, that's a beautiful, powerful, just those two. Lord, be near. And then he'll meet you. He meets us in, our, in his word. He meets us in our prayers. We've been praying like we've never prayed before. That's what we said weeks ago. Are you doing that? We sent out an email, the the prayer guide for October. Listen, you can do that and and prayer always counts and always matters more than we can imagine. But it's easy to routine. Oh, what am I praying for on Sunday? What am I praying for Monday? God, just help the untold, unconvinced. In Jesus' name, amen. Boom, I prayed. Or, Or you can stop, get in a quiet place, remove distractions, and start with, Jesus the Lord is in here with me. I can't see him, but he's right there. I'm going to talk to him. He is near. He is attentive. He is present. He is here. He hears what I'm saying. He hears what we're collectively praying together. And there's so much power in that. Man, it changes your prayers. And when you start to believe and step into his nearness and his hearness, you start to experience his goodness and his faithfulness on a whole different level. And maybe some of you have you don't have a lot of experience with God or with Jesus. And it's a natural question, and we welcome it here at Relentless, of, hey, why should I trust this invisible God? Why should I trust this Lord that I've never seen and that you guys keep talking about? And I don't even know if he's real. And the answer to that is what we refer to as the gospel. It's the incredible life-altering, life-changing, never-go-back news of our rescue and adoption that we were separated from God, 
helpless and hopeless and headed to hell. And God knew that. And instead of pouring shame and guilt and punishment and wrath on us, he sent Jesus to take that for us, to rescue us, but not just to rescue and save us, but so that then he could draw us to him and that he would adopt us into his family, that we would become his children. Why could you trust this Jesus? Because he showed up. That really happened. It's not a fairy tale. It's not a myth. It's not a movie. There was a man who was born into this earth and God put his son Jesus into human form and he lived and he grew and he taught and he loved and he ministered and he preached and he allowed himself to be arrested, to be falsely imprisoned and falsely accused and falsely punished. He allowed himself to be mocked and brutalized and eventually crucified, killed on a cross. And then he rose from the dead and he did that because God loves us that much. That's why you can trust him, that he is here and he is near because of the cross. That's how much. That same Jesus who defeated death that we have no answer for, that same Jesus that died on the cross. He's here. He's near us and he's near you. That's amazing. Now, in this four little words, the Lord is near. There's some disagreement among scholars and it's a beautiful disagreement of what exactly that means. Some people think that have studied it, studied the Greek and and the context all that. it, It just simply means what it is, that the Lord is near. He's with us. He's present. And we know that's true from other scriptures. Other scholars think that this is a specific a specific uh, description or a specific um, attachment to the Lord returning, his second coming, Christ's return. And again, both of those things are true. The Lord is here and near with us and that the Lord is near returning because both of those things are stated uh, in Scripture other places. So we don't have to choose between the two, but we haven't talked about that much, at least lately. So let me, let me remind us all, because it's good to say it out loud. Jesus is coming back. What? Yes, Jesus is coming back. And I'm not saying, hey, Jesus is going to split the clouds and come back and, and you should believe that because I told you. So just trust me. No, that is way too big of a, of a statement for me to just say, hey, trust me because I said it. That's, that's stupid, right? And let's be real. For how many generations have people said, Jesus is coming back, Jesus is coming back, Jesus is coming back? For 2,000 years, there's been people that followed Jesus that said, hey, Jesus is coming back. And he ain't back yet, right? So at some point, it's fair if you're asking the question, man, maybe God's kind of punking us. He just says, hey, tomorrow, keep looking for him, right? And it's, it's just all right. So I get if you got some questions about that, but let me tell you um, a few things of why you can count on that, why we can believe that Jesus is near and specifically his return is near. I don't know the times and dates. Scripture is clear. No man knows the times and dates. Anybody starts telling you they know when he's coming back, you can be confident they're not speaking for the Lord or from the Lord. But Christians, you, let me talk to you. If, if you say, I'm a follower of Jesus, you know what you believe, right? You believe that God came to earth, like we just talked about, in a human body. You believe that he was tempted in every way and never, ever, ever, ever sinned. You believe that all the stuff they said to him and did to him and he could stop it and he chose not to. You believe that they killed him. His heart stopped beating. He was fully 100% dead. There was a dead corpse with no life 
in it, bloodied, beaten, and put in a tomb to be forgotten about. And you believe that he just decided to get on out of that tomb and defeat death because that's the power he has. That's the Jesus you believe in. If you believe that, how hard is it to believe that he will fulfill his final and best promise to return for his church? Right? It's, it's not a stretch by any means. And it's beautiful that there was all these prophecies for like you zoom back and you see God was writing a story from the very, very, very beginning in Genesis and he told us thousand, a thousand years before Jesus showed up, there are scriptures that would have no way of knowing details about his life and where he would show up and how he would do and all that. And, and God was calling a shot saying, I got a plan from the beginning. So for a thousand years plus, they were waiting for this Messiah. And I'm sure they felt some of that like, is he really ever going to come? And then he did. And we are a result of that. We are meeting and online church because of the gospel has changed us and we're going to do whatever we got to do because we are people of Jesus because God called a shot. So he called a shot, they waited and he came through and he rose from the dead. He will come through again. He will not forget us. He will not, not come back for his church. I don't know when it'll be. I do know we're closer today than we have ever been. That's one thing. Here's another reason that you can count on Jesus coming back. How, how do we know? Like, how can you be so sure? Right? If, if you say, if you come by my house and be like, hey, pastor, I, I, uh, I just love you. And, and I could just tell you I love you, but I'm going to show you I love you. Here's a thousand bucks. I'm going to give you a thousand bucks, but I don't have it yet. But, I'm, but at some point, I'm just going to drop a grand on you, right? I'm going to, right, don't do that, by the way. I don't, that's not okay. But if, if you tried that, I'm probably going to be like, you know, Okay, if you're going to give me a thousand bucks, you probably would give it to me. You wouldn't say it, and then I'm going to give it to you later, right? So I might be down. But if you did the same thing, I'm gonna, hey, I'm going to give you a thousand bucks. But I'm not going to give it all to you now. But, but just so you know, I'm not messing with you. Just so you know, this ain't a joke. Just so you know, this isn't cruel. I'm going to give you 500 right now. And you drop 500 on me. You know what? I'm counting on you for the other 500, right? Because you came through, we call that a deposit. That's the word that God uses to say, hey, I know this is a lot, right? If you didn't see Jesus, you know, raising the dead like we always talk about, and, and you haven't seen the future like God can, that God, Jesus can come back for us, right? I know it's a lot to believe, and I'm going to give you faith. I'm going to meet you in your doubts, all that, but I'm going to give you something else. I'm going to give you a deposit, right? Scripture speaks of the Spirit of Christ, this Lord that is near and is here. His Spirit lives in us, the hope of glory, Christ in you. Right? And it says it several ways. Corinthians is my favorite. It says the one who God has fashioned us for this very purpose. The context is getting our new life and living in the next life, the forever focused life. And he says, God who has given us the spirit as a deposit, comma, guaranteeing what is to come. What's the, what's the money down to the deposit? It is the spirit of Christ living in you and living in me. Right? That's how we can have faith that he's going to do what he says he's going to do. Right, So that's why it's so massively important to talk with other Christians, to walk with other Christians, and to be in tune with the Spirit, to live by the Spirit, because the Spirit builds your faith. The Spirit is the deposit, so you know, hey, this ain't a joke. This ain't something we do to make ourselves feel better. This is real. How do you know? Because I got a deposit. The Spirit, if you're not in tune with the Spirit, you're missing your deposit. You're just going on blind faith. 
You don't want to live without your deposit. You want to live in tune with the Spirit. And if you don't, then your faith is obviously going to suffer. Live by the Spirit with that deposit, and you'll be encouraged. Hey, I don't know when it's going to be, but it might be tonight because my Jesus is coming back for his church. It's closer than it's ever been. Do you remember when you were in school or maybe you're still in school? Uh, for me, I can remember college and you know, there's two types of students. Well, there's more than that, but for this example, there's two types of students, those that get the assignment, get it done as quick as possible, and those that wait till the last possible minute. There's probably another group that just doesn't get it done. But, And I lived in both worlds, but man, a lot of times in college, I can remember I just convinced myself that I work better under pressure. So if I had an assignment and I knew it was about a three and a half hour assignment, you know, then, then, then I might start working on it four hours before class, right? And that, that gives me a whole 30 minutes of margin, right? And you procrastinate before that because you know I've always got time, I've always got later, right? And that's a horrible way to live. It's not a great way to do academics, but it's a horrible way to live, like we gotta focus on what's important in the now, but when you procrastinate and do other things, and then you try to work on it, and then you just get distracted, because you know what, I got more time. But then, when it's three hours before class, and this grade is gonna affect my life, I don't get distracted. Now I got this urgency, because man, I gotta get it done. Right, some of that urgency, that's what we're supposed to live with, with the return of Jesus. Right, that, that, that's, that's the, that's to kick it into gear, but it's, it's different than academics because academics come with pressure, right? That pressure some of you are in right now academically, that's not what God calls us to. He, he says to live with that urgency because this life is temporary. This life is temporary. We forget that. We think this life is permanent. No, this life is temporary. The Lord is near, the Lord is here, and the Lord is coming. So we have this, not this pressure of, oh no, is he gonna come back? But no, this expectation, this anticipation that's, that's beautiful. This, you know, the example I always use is when, when I'm going on vacation and I know three days from now I'm going on vacation and something bad happens in the middle of my day, it's not as bad as it normally is because I know where I'm gonna be three days from now, right? You still gotta deal with life, right? I'm not saying stuff isn't real and stuff doesn't hurt, but we know where we're going. We know who's coming back for us. So it's not this urgency of, oh no, I gotta get it done. It's this urgency that the Lord is in me, the Lord is here, the Lord is near, and the Lord is coming. And it could be today. And I'm super excited about that. I can't wait for that. And it affects everything. It connects to everything. This is how we can actually rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I'll say it, rejoice. Well, man, how do you always? Paul wrote that from prison. He was falsely accused, falsely imprisoned, eventually unjustly killed. And he's telling us to rejoice in the Lord always. How can you, in that situation, here's how, what he, what he knew is the Lord is near. And if you know that the Lord is near, then it allows you to actually choose to rejoice in the Lord no matter what. How in the world are you gonna let your gentleness be evident to everyone? even when people act how they act. Here's how, the Lord is near. The reality of his return, of his presence, of him being with you in every situation and everything that you do and say and see, the Lord is near, the Lord is here. It connects to everything, right? He sees all, he knows everything you do, everything you think, everything you want. He knows all of that. He is all-knowing, he is 
everywhere. This affects your life this week. Here's a stupid example. I was getting frustrated because in my house, and I don't want to blame anybody in my house. I don't want to mention any names right now. I don't want to mention kids' names because they're watching this with the rest of the church. And I don't want to start Sunday with us starting to yell at each other during the message. But occasionally, I don't even want to know. I don't, I'm not putting out a, a um, theory on how this happens. But my socks don't come back to me. My socks get swiped and stolen by other humans in my house. And I was trying to find the pair of socks that I wanted to wear, and I was frustrated because I only had, I didn't have, and somebody else in their drawer has my socks. And for a second, something stupid like a sock was like ruining my day. But I'm, I know what I'm preaching this week, and it just, I didn't mean to. It wasn't anything I did right. I just had been dwelling on this, and it just came to my mind. The Lord is near. How stupid am I right now? Like, I'm about to let my blood pressure go up because I can't find a sock? Jesus is right there in my closet, like, come on, bro. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm here. We got this. Socks. Right? And it's, that's a silly example, but everything, right? The, the worry, the anxiety that we'll get to next week. How we treat people that we talked about last week. The sin struggles, the temptation that are on steroids right now because of the pandemic. The addictions past and present that we're dealing and walking through. The hurt, the pain, the grief, the boldness that we want to have as we talk to other people, as we, you know, call other people to G, all of that is affected by the reality of the Lord is here and the Lord is near. We started this year, remember? Some of you do. We started this year talking about who do you think you are, how you see yourself, and the importance of renewing your mind. That's just Scripture's way of talking about our perspective, how we view people, how we view ourselves. What's on your mind right now? Right? As you get ready to go about your day and your week, what, 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 is, what is on your mind? Fantasy football? Right? Some of you that are close to Jesus, you're thinking about the Panthers. Keep pounding. Right? Academics, relationships, financial pressures, sickness, health, well-being, politics. Right? And some of those things on that list, I just said, some of those are definitely more important than others. But all of them change. Our view of all of them change when we believe that the Lord is near and the Lord is here. Wherever you're going, whatever you're doing, whatever you're thinking about, it will change if you start with the foundation. The Lord really is near. He is close. He is attentive. And if you're one of the brokenhearted right now, he is so close and attentive to your pain. He wants to step into it and sit in it and carry you through it. And if you're not, you know, in a place of being brokenhearted, he is still near and he is still here. And he wants that truth to affect how you treat everybody and how you rejoice in the Lord and how you feel when you open your eyes and the thoughts that dominate your life. The Lord is near. The Lord is near. He really is. He's near and he's here. Church, let's let that drive us in the week ahead. Father, Thank you for not just being a God that did something and that knew some people in this book that we call the Bible. Thank you for being a God that is present, that is near, and that is here. Remind us, wherever we are, wherever we're listening to this, remind us you're right there with us. You're close. You're near. You're present. 
And God, remind us that this life is temporary, whether it's our exit or you're coming to get us. We're not going to be here long. Help us live like it. God, give us an urgency to do what matters, to deal with what needs to be dealt with, to get help with the things that we need to get help with, not tomorrow, but today. God, help us live with this urgency. Help our rejoicing and our gentleness that's evident to all. Help that flow out of the truth that you are near and you are here. We thank you for that truth. Pray we'd soak in it and live in it this week. In Jesus' name, amen. See you next week.